Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hello Simon, how are you? Good evening Jackie, I'm very well thank you. What have you been up to? Well, I've been delivering today. Oh, okay. I picked a uh, pallet of um, pistons, they look like, very heavy, up in my little van and took them over to Bake Up in Lancashire there. Not far, but it's a nice little drive through the country. Anyway, I got to this uh, guy's place in the middle of nowhere. Went in to see him and uh, he was damn right rude. (laughs) How dare he, sir? Well, what happened was, I said, uh, right, I've got this delivery for you. And he said, right, you have to... I think he was in the army or something because he was giving me directions to go and park the van at the side of the warehouse. You go 45 degrees up there, <laughs> 26 that way. So I says, right, all right, um, do you want to sign this um, delivery sheet now? Say, messing about. And he, and he said, no, that's mine, that. And, and this ensued a little bit of a battle, you know, between oh, us. Not a tug of war. Well, not a tug of war, but he said, that's mine, that. Um, I said, well, that's all they gave me. You're going to have to sign it. You're going to have to have it photocopied, mate. <laughs> Simple as that, which he did. But um, he wasn't happy about it. And uh, it's the first time I've experienced a delivery like that. And did you just drop it off at the side 45 degrees to the left? <laughs> well, he had this crazy system where he had to back it into the uh, warehouse, the van, um, at a weird angle because he couldn't get his stacker truck down. People were working there. They looked petrified, you know, young lads, engineers. And I uh, felt sorry for them. And he came back with the thing and said, I've signed it, there you are. So I'm a bit kind of uh, annoyed about him. I really am. Cheeky bleed. <laughs> but is the customer always right in your view? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, dear. When I was working, the customer was always right. Well, he was like... Even a- if they get rude. He was like a school headmaster telling a ten-year-old off. That's how I felt, and I wasn't going to stand for it. No. Put your foot down. Yeah. As long as no fists went flying, <laughs> that's the main thing. No, but I've never. I've, I've done a lot of deliveries over the years, and it's the first time I've ever had a response like that. I, he might have been joking, but I don't think he was. Well, we are up to week something something, and Brilliant. the letter S. Tea. My first tea, Ted Robbins, Northern comic. He's been around for years and years. He's, he's well, very well known to a lot of people for being in the uh, comedy Phoenix Nights, starring Peter Kay. He was Den Perry, wasn't he? That, yeah, he was, wasn't mm. he? Was he just a singer in that, or did he own a rival club? I think he owned a rival club. He was, yeah... I think he wanted to shut down Phoenix Nights, didn't he? Ah, right, That was the idea. Right, did he burn it down or something? I think he might have done. (laughs) I know, it's a long time ago, isn't it, Phoenix Nights? Yeah, uh, 25 years or more, must be. But it was excellent. Yeah, it was. Paddy McGuinness, of course, done very well for himself. Yep, Steve Edge was in it. Justin Morehouse, of course, of was course, in it yeah. because he was the tiger, which That's I right. thought was one, of, was one of the funniest things yeah. to put in a TV show. That he'd put that paint on that wouldn't come off, and they, every week he just had to wear the same. Just a great show, wasn't it? Really yeah, it was funny. hilarious. Still is. I did an interview with Ted Robbins. He was doing a bit of DJing for BBC Manchester, I think, mm. 
after Mark passed away a couple of years ago, basically doing a live interview on air with me was Ted. And he was trying to get spill the beans, was there any fighting, you know, uh, any punch-ups. He kept going and going and going at it. This was at the funeral, wasn't it? Because there were reports that the that it sort of kicked off a bit at the funeral. There was a little bit of beer throwing going yeah. on. But he wouldn't let it lie, would he, Ted? No, he kept going on at it. Um, but um, he came out with this joke and I, I just really didn't get it at all. <laughs> Probably would if he heard it back now, but I said, I don't get it. I don't get the joke, mate. And I was a bit upset, obviously, you know, because Mark had just gone. And uh, he said, and Ted went, I don't get it, dear boy. Anyway, uh, after he's handed over to Di- the late Diana Oxbury, <laughs> Diane, she took the mickey out of him, like his joke had fallen flat on its face. <laughs> yeah, Ted Robbins, pretty good comedian, actually. And I think he does a little bit of singing, doesn't he? He was the warm-up guy as well. That's years right. ago yeah for some tv shows yeah that's that's right okay. and I'd, I'd seen him do that and when they did the live phoenix night at the arena he had a heart attack on stage oh did he and thankfully there was a doctor in the audience oh, is there wow. a doctor in the house right okay who i think saved his life oh right. we just went down did he he did in the performance a bit like when i went to see tommy cooper he did the same you know when he was supporting the police you know, back in the 1980, I think I mentioned it once, dear. Is it the way you want to go on stage? What, dying a death? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> not dying a death. I mean, this is really dying, not just, you know, right. not having a good night. No, well, it can't, it can't be good, can it, really? <laughs> You're not a doctor, but it can't be good. <laughs> We're doctors, son. <laughs> Okay, my next tea is the Tallyrand. It's a bar in Levensume, opposite the antique market there, on the main A6. Have you seen it? No, I don't think I have. Right, well, it's very nice. There's a venue there, a small venue, probably holds about 100 at the back of the place. Well, it's not doing business like everywhere else, unfortunately, but hopefully that'll turn around. Wondering what, what, who's Tallyrand? What is Tallyrand? So we asked the guy on the bar... They said, oh, um, he was a French diplomat in the 1750s, 60s, who came over here. Um, he was facing the guillotine over in France, and he, he came over here to exile, stopped here for a couple of years. In Manchester? In Levensium, yeah, yeah. Not sure whether he had a love interest uh, down these parts, but I found it a very interesting story. You know, he'd been working with the uh, Russian government and basically was seen as a traitor, friend of Napoleon. Very, very crafty diplomat he was. Worked for the church, the Catholic Church. Wow, well, he was involved in a lot of things then. Yeah, he was, yeah. And so he stayed for, what, a couple of years? I think it was, yeah. And it's the eastern um, part of Levensium, which I'm trying to get my bearings now, whether that would be near um, Pringle Fields. That way. I don't know. I have to say, never eat shredded wheat, do you? <laughs> do you say that when you have to work out if it's north, south, east or west? No, I've never heard that before. What's You've that? never heard that before? Go on, run it by me. Well, never eat shredded wheat. Oh, I've never heard that. So you can work out where you are. No. I still say it. Never done that. And it's not helped me find out where in Levensium you're talking about, but... I wasn't that mad on shredded wheat. <laughs> <laughs> no, who is mad on shredded wheat? It's like, 
It's really tough. It is tough. It's got a horrible taste and you have to force yourself to eat it because you're trying to tell yourself that it's good for you. To get it down. I know what you mean. Prefer Weetabix myself. Yeah, but I don't like Weetabix. No. I like, well, I like bran flakes. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right, but I'm sure there's probably a lot of sugar in them because they're quite sweet. Yeah. I mean, Cocoa Pops, you can't go wrong. They're all right sometimes. The problem with Cocoa Pops is you can't only have one bowl, though. (laughs) You have to have about three. (laughs) <laughs> How did we get onto this? From uh, French, sure. French diplomats. Talleyrand, Charles Maurice de Talleyrand Perigol, born in 1754. Like I say, very cunning diplomat who was on the run over here, basically, keeping out of trouble, and he was allowed back after the revolution. Oh, so we went home in the end? Yeah, as Napoleon's mate, you know, sort of worked for him. Yeah, <laughs> interesting story. I like Levin's Hume. I lived there uh, for about three years. Bought my first house there, off right at the top of Matthews Lane. It was, but it's great, full of life. Well, oh, there's like, always yeah. something happening, isn't there? Yeah, Levin's always. Twenty four hours a day. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mark Riley off the radio, he and the fall. He lived round the corner from me. He had a lovely time there. Moved on, you know, after about two or three years. And very handy for town. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I lived in Stockport. Once you're on the A6. Yeah, although there's no tram line yet, is there? No. Are you looking forward to the tram lines? Is there going to be one from Stockport to Manchester? Yes, I think there is, eventually. Right, well... I think it might link up with Didsbury somewhere. I think that's what they're looking at. Oh, okay. But they keep trying to do Stockport up. Right. And they get it wrong all the time. Do they? Grand Central. Yeah. It's horrible. You've been in those uh, World War Two caves ever, the museum? I have. I went yeah. with, with the kids when they did it at I school. I like it, yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's not a big deal. You can do the whole thing in half an hour. And uh, it's interesting, you know, that's where, because a V2 bomb came down there, I think, in Stockport, calling to my dad, near that gothic-looking church on the A6. Uh, he always used to tell me about it every time we went past <laughs> near the Davenport Theatre, up that way. Levin's Hume's great, it's up and coming. I'd recommend the Talleyrand, you know, as a, somewhere to go out for, for a drink. And it's nice to see people playing in a venue that's only that only holds about 100 people. Yeah, and it's top quality um, sound equipment too. Very, very good. So, yeah, definitely go to the Talleyrand. <laughs> The next tea are tents. Now, do you like camping? No. No, I don't. I can do one night and that's about it. I can do one night. Well, the last time I did it was at that one in the uh, Lake District, Kendall Calling. It was just a total mud bath. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it unless I really had to. If there was a band worth watching, I'd I'd stay and do it. But otherwise, no, I want to go home. (laughs) We used to go camping, John Squire and I in my mum and dad's back garden for a bit, go on a few adventures of a night time. <laughs> I think we got on a milk float once, you know, and took it. <laughs> what, you, you commandeered the milk float? Yeah, and just sort of abandoned it, you know, half a mile down the road. Simon, think of that poor milkman. <laughs> it, was, it was John's idea. <laughs> oh, don't we go blaming John now? When he's not here to defend himself. I know. So you found a milk float. The pair of you have got a tent, have you? Well, that was back in my mum and dad's garden. So we're walking for about two or three miles up towards Manchester Airport down the lanes. 
Oh, I see. So um, you're just out and about, but you're going to sleep in the back garden. Well, that, eventually that's we the go idea. Home, yeah. 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 And uh, we once went to the uh, by the river Bolin, uh, digging for old Victorian bottles was one of my pastimes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the never, No, no, you, you don't do that. You just get a spade because you're looking for glass bottles and, you know, Victorian pot lids. You know, it's quite uh, rare. Well, it used to be anyway. Did you ever find any? I did. I found a Queen Alexandra uh, toothpaste lid. They got about 80 quid for it. And that right, was... whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you found what? Well, it was a, a jar of toothpaste. Imagine an earthenware jar of toothpaste. Right, how old is this jar? It will have been uh, 1860s, maybe. 18... Queen Alexandra. I can't. I don't know when she was around exactly. But late 1800s for sure, and it was pristine and a picture of Queen Alexandra, had the royal seal of approval or whatever, from some uh, manor house somewhere that they'd thrown away on the tip near the River Bolling. How did you know that you were going to be able to find things there? You'd see the signs, you see, exactly. Once you got to know, you knew. What you were looking for. The different types of glass and the colours of the glass. You just recognised a Victorian tip. And I did a project on it at school as well, about this bottle-collecting lark. A lot of people did it. I think it was a big craze. And you could get, you know, tenors or fivers, even then, for one of these old bottles that you find. And who did you sell it to? Antique markets and the like in town. The Corn Exchange, I think, in there, people like that. Oh, you could have been on the Antiques Roadshow. I, th- I like antiques a lot, actually, yeah. Can you spot a good antique? Yeah, I can. Oh, you know what you're looking for? I wouldn't say that, but uh, Lulu's mum and dad, they uh, run an antiques business. Ah, OK. Fernley Antiques, up in uh, North Manchester. They do a lot of film props and stuff like that. Well, you could help them out by going out digging again. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you've got a Victorian shop scene, maybe, uh, then you need to furnish. Did you watch Time Team when it was on telly? Not religiously, no. I liked it. I mean, they never really found much, did they? Not really. There was a lot of let's look at the geofiz. I remember them saying (laughs) that a lot. That guy with the long hair with the hat. Yeah, the hat on. I mean, they all used to get very excited about, you know, the outline of a room. And I think that's not what we're after. No. Lads, we want to have like something a, more than like the outer like line. a rust, rusty old piece of iron. Yeah. It's a bit like that. I perhaps I shouldn't say this. In fact, I won't say it. No, go on. <laughs> no, the, the Reno, um, the club I mentioned before, that was in Moss Side there, on Princess Road, they had an exhibition uh, about the Reno and uh, went to the exhibition. They had the DJs there. Persian was one of them. Brilliant music. But they had a few exhibits, and it was just like a couple of old Coke cans. <laughs> a bit disappointing, really. But the music spoke for itself. Do you know what? I might, too. I might get Dad to do one at the Apsley. <laughs> we tried to um, clear out one of the rooms at the Apsley once. It was hilarious. So we got a skip out the front. As we're taking stuff into the skip, Dad's going, that's a bloody good pan, that. Get that pan back. As, he, as we're putting it in the skip, he's taking it back out of the skip. Yeah. was hilarious. Did you ever fill it then? No. We, well, we did. We had to distract him with Guinness. But we could probably put on some sort of exhibition. Because actually, at the Apsley, there's a lot of pictures on the wall. 
you know, have you been in and had a look at the pictures that are on the of wall? Of all the bands that have been there. Yeah. yeah I have. And, yeah, and am quite, I in it? I was just about to say <laughs> you on the wall because I know Craig and Steve are on the wall oh. because I took the picture. Right. And they came in one night. You've got a lot of backstage passes. We've got loads of backstage passes. Probably a Fall or Ian Brown when I play. Oh, they'll be absolutely one of those. Yeah. Um, you had to put them behind glass, though, because people would peel them Rip off. them off. Yeah, yeah if they yeah. wanted them. Right. Because um, okay. some of them, I'd imagine, would be quite rare. Yeah, yeah. So he could do a little exhibition. What with my bottles and your dad's pictures and... Get yeah, a few of your bottles on a table <laughs> and, and some of dad's pictures. And how much could we charge people? A lot, Simon, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, they've gone out of fashion a bit, the old Victorian bottle collecting. You don't see him as much. We started off with tents. Let's get back to tents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you and John Squire would go off. Yeah, so we're down by the River Ballin one weekend with a few of our schoolmates from Alty Grammar, and uh, one of us, it might have been me, took a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been me, Your Honour. <laughs> and we're, uh, basically to cut down a few you know, branches to make a campfire, which we did. And we're larking about. It's, you know, Saturday night, slept the night. And in the morning... <laughs> Uh, we're on our way uh, home, walking down the road, you know, with a tent strapped to our backs, about four or five of us. And the park ranger comes, gets out of a car and goes, Oh, you lot! Because <laughs> we'd cut down this tree or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, we didn't even think about that. I just thought it was everybody's. We're trying to keep warm. But he had a look for the uh, hatchet. But I think it was rolled up in the tent. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, we all sort of distanced ourselves and uh, he let us go. You scarpered, in other words. He might have took our names. He might have done, I can't quite remember. Would you have given a false name, do you think? Probably, yeah, yeah, probably. John Squire. Tommy Smith, I was. You're blaming John Squire again, (laughs) it was him. (laughs) So we got away with that one, yeah. But, uh, yeah, tense. I lump them, I don't like them really. No, there's no fun in them whatsoever. I don't know what's wrong with people thinking camping is a good holiday. It's a cheap holiday, isn't it? But uh, I think I'd rather stay at home. So would I. The next tea, Jackie, is the song Telephone Thing by The Fall, which came out in about 1990, I think it was, about the time of Extricate album. It was the nearest kind of music that was going to be funky. Because um, I, I was, you know, really hoping we'd do something like that. And uh, that was the only sort of shot we had at it, really, working with two DJs called Cold Cut, a duo, um, Matt and Jonathan Moore, who'd worked with Yaz and Lisa Stansfield before. And I don't know how it came about. I think we were on phonogram records then. And I do remember recording it in London. It might have been Livingston Studios where I'd done that little session with Elastica once when their drummer wasn't available. It was great. They'd set the DJ stuff up in the studio and Mark had given us a a cassette to listen to a couple of days before. Did a sort of shuffle beat on it, basically. A lot of bands were doing that kind of thing with DJs, Happy Mondays, for instance. And I was hoping we'd kind of go down that same direction, the band as a whole. But it wasn't to be... It was kind of one shot at it. It didn't, it only just, I think it got to about number 50-odd in the charts where we'd been higher before, you know, with the Victoria and the Hit the North and what have you. But I still love uh, listening to it to this day. Did a video for it. They spent a few quid on that, this place in uh, Ardwick, a studio, all about phone tapping. 
And Mark had reckoned he'd been phone tapped. You know, he tried to make a call and he had these people talking about, yeah, I've just been talking to this, this Mark, Mark Smith. <laughs> he complained, you know, to British Telecom or whatever, saying he was trying to make a call, but somebody was talking about his previous call and what's going on. Is this legal, you know? And do you think that was real? You do sometimes hear weird things, don't you, now and again, but not usually on your home phone. Years ago, you could get cross lines, couldn't you? Yeah, or, or, or perhaps if you're in a hotel or somewhere like that, you've got more chance if there's a little switchboard somewhere going on. Maybe that's what happened with Mark, but he got really upset about it and wrote this song. Yeah, but we know that he was paranoid because he was recording things, wasn't he? Well, that's what I mean, yeah. So, yeah, so that's not going to help. When he got cold cut in, was it his idea to bring them in, to make it a bit more dancey? I'm not sure. I think Mark had heard a song he'd done with Lisa Stansfield called Telephone Something, and he thought he told them he thought it was rubbish and he wanted a live band to do it. So <laughs> that's how it came about. The lovely lads, anyway. I do love what they did with Yaz and Lisa Stansfield, really good. Mark uses the lyrics, How dare you assume I want to parlez-vous with you? <laughs> He's talking about this woman called Gretchen Franklin. That was the real name of the character of EastEnders, a nosy busybody called Ethel Skinner. So, yeah, it's one of my favourite singles I did with The Fall, his telephone thing. We used to hear it, you know, in... Hacienda on a Thursday night. Indie night. Temperance night, another tea there. That was, that was uh, Dave Aslam's thing, I think, where they play indie records. And you'd be on the dance floor on your own. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice little diversion anyway, telephone thing. And I like the drums on it and I'm uh, happy to be on it. The next tea is a film. came out in 1973, Theatre of Blood. Starring Vincent Price. Do you like horror films? No. This is like a horror stroke comedy. Oh, I probably wouldn't mind that one then. It's about a Shakespearean actor, Vincent Price. It's called Edward Lionheart. Now, he's got a right ego on him as Edward and he can't really adapt to do any other sort of acting apart from the Shakespearean type. And there's a big awards ceremony. Basically, he gets snubbed, you know, by all the leading critics, the film critics. It's not a Hammer House of Horror film, this one, which I love, but it's set in London anyway. And he seeks revenge on all the critics. And so uh, he kills them all off one by one in the style of a lot of Shakespeare plays, like Richard III and uh, Merchant of Venice. Did you like Shakespeare? Did you study it at school? No, not at all. No. 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 I did Henry IV Part One. I can't tell you what happened in it. I went to Shakespeare's house where he grew up, though, recently. And what did you think of that? Great. I didn't know. His mum and dad were leather workers making leather gloves and they had a lovely little museum there. It was great. Um, down in Leamington Spa, I think it was. Very nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he kills them all off one by one. There's one particular critic, Robert Morley, the actor. Do you know him? Yes. Great, great actor. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's a bit of a, a gourmet um, character, 
Edward Lionheart, he gets his, his puppies and puts them through a mincing machine and put, makes pies out of them. Simon! For, and force feeds Robert Morley, because <laughs> he's the worst critic at all, the most savage, as the last one. And his daughter helps him out, Diana Rigg. But really great film, you know, great scenes in London, what have you. But it's one of those films you'd watch, you know, it might be on on a, a Monday matinee or whatever. Uh, you know, it was raining outside, and it was great, it cheered you up. But anything with Vincent Price, brilliant, great on Michael Jackson even, wasn't he? Oh, uh, yeah. Doing the voiceover there for Thriller. Uh, what a great idea that was. So, yeah, um, Theatre of Blood. <laughs> My next tea is the suburb of Timperley where I spent a lot of time with John and Ian when we were at school. We'd hang about the bridge there, the little brook, near the Sylvan pub. I used to come down on my sister's bike. Uh, I don't know why, whether she was at university or whatever, but... Uh, where was your bike? Well, I used to have a Carlton Continental. And me and John both had one, matching ones. <laughs> and uh, it was after that. I'm wait, a... wait, wait. Why did you have matching bikes? Did you purposely go out to get the same bike? No, it was purely by chance. I think I got one for Christmas each, one year. I, I got mine for Christmas anyway. Father Christmas must have had a job, <laughs> a job lot. <laughs> yeah, different colour though they were. Uh, mine was like a light blue metallic one. But... Uh, uh, what was going to say that? So you went on your sister's bike. Did she have like a shopper? Was it a girl's bike? Yeah, I think that was a bit later on. Actually, thinking about it, when I used to cycle down to Andy Rock's dad's house in Aston on Mersey, down Brooklands Road. Yeah, so I would have had the bike, but I used to get the bus anyway uh, from Ringway down to Timpley, two or three miles. We spent loads of time there, and we'd go to gigs uh, when we were at school. We'd go home, say on a Tuesday night after school, i say, right, I'd say to my mum, I'm staying at Ian's mum's tonight. <laughs> Ian would do likewise and John, and we'd stay in this old, big, dilapidated old clinic, the Templey Clinic on Park Road, uh, which was, I think, I, I'm not sure what kind of a clinic, but they had sort of medical apparatus bolted on the walls, you know, like clamps and weird... That's like a horror thing. film. Yeah, it was a bit. But we'd uh, spend a few nights up there, you know, we'd get back from town, maybe we'd been to the Polytechnic or Cavendish House to see 999 or Toya Wilcox, I remember going to that one. Maybe An Angelic Upstarts, I'm not sure. Ian was more into them than me. But we'd get back about three in the morning on the 263 bus uh, where anything could happen. Got some right nutters on <laughs> at night, you know. Yeah, not... you three for a start. <laughs> Uh, we'd get off on the main road, walk down Park Road, get our ads down. You know, it was all boarded up, but we prized it off with the board. We used to sleep at the top and leave these sleeping bags <laughs> for the next time. But we did it a few times and then got to school straight after uh, in the morning from Timperley. Frank Sidebottom, of course, been immortalised there. That's, that's a pretty good statue, that. Have you it seen is, it? Yes, it is. I'm glad it was a nice statue. Was it made in Poland? Oh, I don't know. Right. I only asked because uh, I know a guy uh, who had a replica of Big Ears, the European Cup, made out there, you know, for a fraction of the price. It's illegal to do stuff like that, you know. You'll know, cast a European Cup and trade off it. Well, I'm sure it is. You can't just make your own. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's cheap to get it done over there, you know, casting. 
of metal and for statues. So I believe I'm getting your teeth done. <laughs> you seem to know a lot about it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I know you do hear about it, boob jobs and everything, you know, things like operations. <laughs> <laughs> not thinking of getting it. Jobs. <laughs> not yet. No. We used to go up and down that Bridgewater Canal so many times, you know, from me and his mum and dad's, up to the Vine, which is only about half a mile, if that. And uh, once we ceremoniously disposed of the TV MPA <laughs> that me and John had <laughs> acquired, we used this old big PA, it was weighed an absolute ton, I'd say about 40 kilograms. And uh, how were you transporting it? Andy Cousins' car. <laughs> <laughs> like everything else. But it, it, we basically, we used to plug everything into it, you know, vocals, bass, guitar, <laughs> when we first started, I mean. But uh, when it packed up, it basically threw it in the bridge walk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It'll still be in there. It probably will of be. Of course you know? it will. Probably rotted away, but it's got glass valves in it, great big ones. They'll, they'll probably still be there. Unless they dredge it, you know, thoroughly. I doubt it. Though. You'll be on Granada reports when they're dredging it. Who put this in here? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be you, Ian Brown, John Squire, and Andy Cousins all in a row, giving false names. Tommy Smith. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was our stomping ground, really, simply. The next tea is a textile firm, Tootle, who made scarves and neckerchiefs, things like that. Have you ever heard of them? No. Very similar to the Paisley designs, polka dots and the like, but a very successful company started in Manchester by a guy called Robert Gardner in 1799. The Tootle family actually came from Wakefield in Yorkshire, moved over to this side of the Pennines, started this big company... They sold all over the world, all over the British Empire. Uh, did very well for themselves. I'm sure had a, a tootle neckerchief. But one of the main designs they had was a teardrop design, like the Paisley one, but it was based on the the raindrops in Manchester, you see. Manchester's quite well known for that. But the headquarters was Churchgate House and Oxford Road, which is opposite Fagan's uh, Quite a grandiose-looking building, that. Do you know what I mean? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Churchgate House. So they did very well for themselves. I might have had one of them when I was uh, following the clash round on tour, circa 79. Are they sort of 80. silky? Yeah. And you just do a little uh, little knot in it, which you'd wear with your crombie and, your, you know, your Johnson's uh, jeans, basically, your brothel creepers. <laughs> <laughs> My next two, Jackie, are terrapins, little turtle-like creatures. And I had a couple uh, when I was at school. Didn't really do much, and I don't know what happened to them. Oh, no. But they made a right mess in the tank. <laughs> it didn't say, you had to clean it out a lot, I do remember that. And I had a lot of stories after that about people putting, you know, they were getting that big size of a dinner plate of putting him in the Alexandra Park there in the pond. Have you ever heard of that before? No. <laughs> no, it's a known fact. <laughs> what, so that they'd get rid of them? Just put them in and leg it? Yeah, basically, when they get out of hand, when they get so big, 
But these nasty little buggers, you know, bite you the end of your finger and you can't shake them off. <laughs> and what were they called? Can you remember? I can't. Probably Timmy and Tommy. <laughs> but, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. After that film came out, it was a big rush on them. Oh. On the Terrapins, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of them obviously found themselves in that big pond. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did have a goldfish as well. We did have dogs at home. I think I might have mentioned it. We had a couple of Dalmatians, one after the other. But we mm, didn't, nice. Right, we didn't have much luck with them. Sort of interbred, I think, these Dalmatians. Right. So they're a bit kind of moody. <laughs> one of them went for my sister, Jane. And we had, you know, we had to have it put down, unfortunately. Oh, no. And uh, one of them went under the hooves of a horse. So we, we didn't have much luck with them. And uh, we had a long-haired sausage dog called Mac. Don't tell me what happened to him. <laughs> I can't bear it. <laughs> he had a good life. Oh, good. He used to sing, you know, uh, if you play the piano. Get up on his iron legs. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Dead loud. He was trying to tell you to show up. <laughs> no, I, Matt loved it. He did. He really did. So, yeah, uh, pets... I like, I'd like to have a dog, I think. Mm. I'm not a cat person, that's oh, no. for sure. no. They seem to sense that uh, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else I've had. Uh, goldfish. We've all had goldfish that we got from yeah, the fair. Yeah, that lasted five minutes. That Although, last... some people, they say they keep them for years, don't they? Yeah. We had seven, I think that we got from the fair probably at Bellevue or, you know, somewhere. Yeah. And, and then it, we woke up one morning and there was only one big one. Oh, eating it. Isn't that awful? Yeah, yeah they're savage, aren't they? Well, it's nature, isn't it? Survival of the fittest. It's just <laughs> the goldfish from the fair. <laughs> the rock hard. <laughs> Will be now. <laughs> yeah, um... What but they're always good fun to start with, aren't they, until you have to clean them out, and then you just think, I'm not interested That was anymore. the problem with these terrapins. It was unbelievable. They just go brown. <laughs> Why are they, in, are they in water? Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> I don't know. Turtles. I'm not Attenborough. <laughs> um, I know I didn't know if they were just in, like, a tank, you know, like an empty tank. Yeah, like a fish tank. Yeah. With a bit of water and a few rocks and... You know, perhaps a, a little palm tree, plastic. Some tree that you've cut down from some park, probably. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know I was doing that, I didn't. Oh, too late now, no, Simon. I know, I know. And so you had two terrapins, how long do they normally last, do you know? Years and years, this is what I'm saying, they grow huge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you have to get rid? Yeah, because it won't fit in the tank. <laughs> Next tea, Top of the Pops, the TV show. No longer with us, of course. A mainstay of TV, right from the 60s, wasn't it? Started in Manchester, they filmed it, the BBC. Uh, just past up Plymouth Grove way there at the end. Uh, is it a block of flats now? Probably. Probably, isn't it? But I went down, I was lucky enough to go down there with Ian Brown twice and perform on the show. And it was great at the time, um, getting the shuttle from Manchester to Heathrow, getting picked up. It was all very, very nice. Very nice. Uh, stay the night after and then come back the next day. Uh, I think they did a rehearsal one time, but one time we did it live, Dolphins Were Monkeys. Really exciting at Ells, Ells Tree Studio in North London there, near Boreham Wood, uh, the film studios. 
be hanging around all day. We used to, we had to get there about ten in the morning. I remember a girl Jackie from Phonogram, another Jackie from Phonogram Records, who looked after us, chaperoned us, if you like, made sure nobody did a runner sort of thing. Got into any trouble? No, especially if you're doing a live performance. You know what I mean? Which we did for that one. Love like a fountain. That was the first time we went on. That was we were miming to that. So how did it work? Did you practice in the studio and then you did like a take and that was the one they used? Yeah, the live one, yeah. We'd have a practice and the cameras spend ages, you know, getting the best angles and the best lights and all that. I take forever. But there's a, a subsidised bar up there and I got taught into Stuart Cable from the Stereophonics, the drummer who sadly passed away from Wales, you know. All them lads are, aren't they, down there? But, yeah, it was a good laugh. Who else was on the bill, can you remember? Yeah, I can. Brian Adams. Tina Turner. She was on, on it as well. I didn't see Tina Turner, and they sent a stand-in, you know, to do the vocals. She didn't have to come down and do a sound check. Alternate. Oh, yes. They were there. That, yeah. was, that was good. And who was the host? Can you remember that? I can't, you know, no. I was thinking about it. No, I can't. You don't really see him. Because you brought in, practising all the cameras, when you're doing it live, run through it a couple of times, you know, go back to the uh, wherever. We're doing a bit of bowling, temping bowling while we're waiting, having a look round the EastEnders set, which is part of the complex there at Elstree, you know, outside the, the Vic and stuff like that. Basically waiting, waiting and waiting. Then a big moment come. Oh, makeup department, all that. Oh, you have to go into makeup and hair. You don't have to, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ready, going, film it once, and it's all very false, of course. There's a sort of herding round the crowd, you know, to each stage. I think there's a couple of stages. But uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I got to, I got to number four, dolphins and monkeys, but a great experience. I'm really glad I've done that show more than anything I've ever done. It's top of the pops, you know, every time. My next tea, Jackie, Manchester band, Ting Tings. All I've got to say is, that's not my name. Great song, loved it. Don't know what's happened to him since. And then there's Tintin, my good friend. He used to have a flat top haircut. Blonde one like the, the French cartoon character Tintin. He tells people, kids especially, <laughs> say, why are you called Tintin? So they've got a tin leg. <laughs> well, he was a journalist um, for a long time, working for uh, the Sunday Sport, I think, up where the Daily Express building was. In fact, he coined the phrase, you can drum but you can't hide, because he was kind of used to doing that thing. But he's done a lot of things, Tintin, and um, he's a DJ, warm-up DJ for New Order. He's now a successful wine bar owner. Got a couple of bars, Cork of the North, on that main road near the Elizabethan pub there on the other side. Uh, he's doing the best he can during these uh, difficult times, and he's done okay because he came up with an online wine-tasting thing. I think he still does it every Friday. It's on uh, Cork of the North, Eaton More on Facebook. And you pay the money and you get six different or eight different very small bottles of wine delivered to your house. And he talks you through them there on the screen. And he's very knowledgeable with the wine, is Tintin. 
So he's a man of many talents. And do you like wine? I love wine. Yeah, I do. And I prefer red. Can you get some snacks in as well? Yeah, you can get them from his place. Oh, so Jesus he, he'll Quint. recommend the ones that go with the That's wine? Right. Oh. A little bit of quince, which is nice. I've done it two or three times, and you get pretty drunk after, you know, six of them. And it's a good laugh, so I'd recommend it, you know, for an evening's entertainment. You know, it's not worth going out now half the time, is it? You know, shot in at ten and all the rest of it. Yeah, no, stay in with Cork of the North. Cork of the North, eating more. Facebook, try it. So, yeah, what else has he done? Plays a bit of bass, Tintin. He was with the family Bazaar. Uh, once we went out with Wax, who was guitarist from Black Grape. Great guitarist. When we played at Matt and Fred's on Tib Street, the jazz place there, the three of us. It's great, enjoyed it. It's got a nice sort of semi-acoustic guitar, did Wags, a green one, a Gretsch, I think. Great player. Tintin, the greatest critic of all, is so critical of everything. <laughs> he really is. You know, I do uh, play him the odd tune that I've been working on and what Rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> I was in a band once and uh, he came down to the show, our first show, and basically I could see his, uh, his face just dropped, didn't like what was going on and walked out. Uh, that's Tintin, Man of Many Talents. My next tea, Jackie's Topper Eden, Nick, a.k.a. Nicky Eden, drummer with The Clash, who, of course, were, well, heroes of mine when I was uh, 15, 16. Followed them all around. Watched what he did when he used to go and watch Topper playing with the band. Were you just watching the drummer? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, seeing what he'd do. He could do any style, Topper. He really could. I had a great drum kit, a pearl, a, like a metallic finish one. You know, quite rare, I think. It must have been a custom-made one. Topper, any style, jazz, funk, reggae, you name it, he could do it. Before he joined the Clash, Topper uh, got a job digging the Channel Tunnel down. He was from Dover. His dad was a headmaster. There was a sort of early attempt at digging the Channel Tunnel before the big one that, you know, we, we know and love today. Have you been down there? Yes, I've only done it once. Right, I have been a few times, you know, on a What ferry. do you think of it? Well, I've not been in the sitting down bit, but I've been on the one where you get on the uh, freight train. Yeah, on the train. <laughs> yeah, on your car. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, like it. It's horrible. Well, I don't oh. like to think about what you're doing and where you are in the world. Right, but I'm just glad it doesn't take long. It's only about 15, 20 minutes. I know, I feel like that when I go through the Mersey Tunnel, though, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out for drips coming down when you get halfway down. But, I mean, there's nothing you could do, is there, if it all came, came in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. But, uh, yeah, Topper, um, he's great. Well, he, he did a lot of touring with bands over in Germany, funk bands, chicken and basket circuit. American army bases and things like that. I think that's where he really learnt his chops. He does a lot of work for um, drug rehabilitation places now because he's had problems like myself, you know, over the years with that kind of thing. He's actually auctioning off um, his Mini Cooper that he had, you know, for charity. Quite recently I saw that online. Good old topper. Does he still play? I think he might do demonstrations, yeah. You know, on YouTube and what have you. I'm not sure. But I did meet him a couple of times. In fact, 
when he played at the Apollo once, I had to go and get his cymbals that came on the Red Star at the train station there. I had to go and pick them up in a cardboard box that had come up, special delivery, for him to use on that night show. But I didn't get to know him that dead well, you know. Topper, but I love watching him. And he had huge, huge, thick drumsticks that he had made specially for himself. Called, and they had toppers, boppers uh, stenciled into them on the side. And I remember his drum roadie Baker gave me a great big, uh, you know, handful of these sticks once. And I've still got a couple somewhere. Massive they are. They're marching drumsticks, you know, that a military band had used on snare drums. Really, really heavy duty. But it was very fit, Topper. Did a lot of karate, like Ian did, you know what I mean? To keep fit. So he had very good upper body strength. And, he, you know, he had some hard, you know, topper. But he could hit him soft as well. But you've got, you know, to be a good drummer, you've got to do both, really. So that's Topper Eden, yeah, one of my big influences. And I copied a lot of his uh, drum patterns over the years. I did write, co-write, uh, Rock the, the Casper. <laughs> which is one of my favourite ones they did, you know, one of the later ones anyway. It was Terry Chimes who played on the first album, The Clash, as it was known, the green one, who I also met later on at a book fair at the Louder Than Words book fest again. He was doing a talk, got to meet him. And I said, he said, any questions? I says, yes. Any, any of them songs that you performed? Because he did the Shea Stadium gig with The Clash, you know, when they were after they were number one in America. Was should I stay, should I go? Any songs frighten you? Because some songs do frighten drummers. You know, if they're not sure about it, they don't they don't they can carry it off. And straight away said, yeah, rock the Caspar, because of the uh, Roto Tom middle eight. So it's got a normal drum kit going. I've got this set of, you know, Roto Toms, they're called, like high-pitched Tom Toms in the middle eight. And it, to do both and to change over back to the main beat he found quite tricky and it and it scared him. So I couldn't totally understand what he means by that. Drummers do get scared of doing certain songs. Because you're keeping everybody else in time, aren't you? Well, yeah. So ideally, if you go yeah. yeah, if you go out of time, that's that's the whole song. That's right. See it's uh, yeah, you have to kinda of concentrate. You know, it can be quite tiring sometimes mentally. I'm keeping it all together. Well, that's what I always think. If I watch you drumming, you're really concentrating. I don't look like I'm enjoying it half the time. No, you're really in the zone, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. How, how come Topper took over then? What happened there? I'm not sure what happened, with, whether there was a disagreement with Terry and the band. I'm not sure. They auditioned a few and, you know, they got Topper in. And eventually, of course, he got sacked by Joe, late, you know, towards the end because of his drug problems. Basically, band sort of went downhill from there, in my opinion. Once he'd been sacked, they weren't the same unit, got, they didn't have that chemistry again. Yeah, they're not going to, are they? Just a little bit missing and it won't work the same. I've seen it again and again and again. Not just with drummers, you know, with bass players and what have you. So it's really important. But I hope he's OK, Topper. So but it was because of him and I had to go on his drum kit at the Apollo, which I told you about at the start of this series, at the Apollo, when he was late and he needed somebody to play it, and I did. A brand-new Cadillac. <laughs> somebody told me the fall covered early on, brand-new Cadillac. I don't know whether it's true, but somebody online mentioned it the other day. How strange. I'll have to check that. Brand-new Cadillac, yeah. Topper Adam, massive inspiration to me as a drummer. 
without him, probably wouldn't be playing still now. Okay, we're going to need a soundtrack for the letter T. What have you got? Well, the first one I've got is the theme from The Persuaders by John Barry. The next one, The Liquidator by the H.J. All-Stars. Next, For the Love of Money by the O.J.'s. I've got What a Waste by Ian Jory. Next one, I Started Something I Couldn't Finish by the Smiths. Great. Okay, see you next week. See you now, Jackie. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. Thanks for listening to Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. 